Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Happy Thursday night. Welcome to the program. Uh, we got a fun show for you tonight. Uh, Mets pitcher Seth Lugone will be with us uh, in a few minutes. Get his take as he competes to be part of the rotation, potentially, part of the bullpen with the Mets, a guy who uh, has some potential options in some different ways that uh, he could be able to contribute uh, for the Mets team this year. Uh, we will also have Mark Gastineau, Jets legend, with us at 8.05. Uh, it's an emotional interview. you want to stick around for that as you know, Mark has been battling Parkinson's, dementia, uh, as well as Alzheimer's stemming from his NFL career and his concussion history. And you know, he's having a, a rough go with it and uh, is, is taking it to the NFL. And he does in our interview with him that we will have coming up at 8.05 tonight. Uh, but we'll open with the New York Mets. Of course, we'll always take some calls. 800-321-0710 to get involved. Again, 800-321-0710. The Mets today, a loss against the Washington Nationals coming after a loss against the Yankees. And still, it doesn't really matter because it is spring training. Uh, But what does matter and and what does uh, get you excited is another dynamic outing from Noah Syndergaard, who again is touching triple digits on the fastball, though he he didn't do it routinely like he did a couple of times out against the defending champion Houston Astros. But if Noah Syndergaard's goal was to send a message this spring training uh, to prove his health, to prove that he's the guy that he's been in the past, that uh, Thor still very much exists, I'd say already this spring, mission accomplished. Against the defending champs, throwing many pitches over 100 miles per hour, showing he has the velocity, dropping a 91-mile-per-hour changeup that totally flummoxed the reigning AL MVP uh, and resulted in a a strikeout looking. Uh, That was impressive. Today, against the Washington Nationals, Syndergaard went out, struck out seven consecutive Nationals at one point. In the third inning, today one two three pitches to strike out trey turner one two three pitches to strike out bryce harper one two three pitches to strike out anthony rendon a nine pitch three strikeout inning in the third uh, for noah Syndergaard against the legitimate heart of the nationals order not against you know three or four guys you never heard of that you know, are taken to uh, a spring training game that might be on the road, and this one was at the Nationals' uh, spring training uh, facility, but uh, against guys that you're going to have to compete with over the course of the year. And for Syndergaard, I mean, almost dialing it back to some degree with the velocity and still able to have those kinds of results. And you got to think, uh, you know, the Nationals, that'll raise some eyebrows. And, you know, the pitchers are in front of the hitters, and we know all the platitudes, right, at this time of year. But you do what you can with what you have to work with. And right now, Noah Syndergaard has spring training to work with to – Prove that he is healthy, which he has done, uh, and to prove how dominant he can be. And this is a guy who does enjoy sending messages when he gets the opportunity. Well, remember Game 3 of the World Series against the Kansas City Royals, uh, and, and he is doing that. And he says he's not even in midseason form right now, uh, and we'll hear from Noah. And, and some interesting things as well in, in terms of also Kevin Ploiecki's role behind the plate in getting Syndergaard in 
the right frame of mind and the right situation to have uh, the kind of success that he did today. So uh, you'll hear from that uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, again, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Uh, and much more as well as an interesting story in the New York Post. Yesterday, a column, really, uh, Joel Sherman and you know, discussing Yohanna Cespedes. And is he a problem child for the Mets? Are some of his antics and, and some of the things he does uh, are unique or are they problematic for the New York Mets in you know any way, shape, or form. And we have certainly uh, discussed some of the things that we like, don't like, about you know, how Yoannis Cespedes goes uh, about his business. So uh, we'll get into that over the course of the show as well. Uh, but uh, we have the pleasure to be joined right now by Mets pitcher Seth Lugo, uh, who joins us on the phone from Port St. Lucie. And uh, Seth, it's great to have you on. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know you were on last month with Sal, but uh, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, you know, this spring, a 2.16 ERA for you in, in three appearances. How how pleased are you with the, the early results? I'm very pleased. Uh, I feel like my mechanics are pretty sound right now. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling good, feeling healthy, so, you know. Uh, everything's lined up pretty good for the season. And you've made one start, a couple appearances out of the bullpen. Uh, is it is it different in spring training? Can can you really compare it to what it might be like pitching out of the pen in the regular season? No, it's it's a little different right now, um, especially while guys are trying to build the pitch count out. You know, uh, every year it seems like some guys are going to come in come in after other guys. It's just you know with that many starters, people got to get the reps. So. Uh, I expect the next few weeks to feel a little more game-like, uh, be a little more closer to the season, so we'll be you know, pushing to win games and you know, playing more uh, season-style ball. Yeah, when does that happen? When do you bear down and you're like, all right, I'm not working on things, I'm not getting my work in, I'm trying to get hitters out? Well, I'd say about right now, um, after about three outings or so, three, four outings, it's time to get rolling and uh, you know, get guys out the way you will in season, not just work on the field for the pitches. You know, at this time in the spring, we got our legs under us, so it's time to get after it and get some guys out. What's your uh, feel watching, you know, some of the other guys in the staff? Syndergaard today struck out seven in a row uh, against the Nationals, and it seems, uh, you know, with the exception of DeGrom's back and, and he's on the mend, that, you know, help has been on your guys' side thus far. Oh, man, it's it's great to watch, you know. When, when uh, these other guys are healthy, and, uh, man, we're, we're going to be a dangerous team, and, you know, seeing what Noah did today it doesn't surprise me at all. That guy's a monster. But uh, it's been fun, and, uh, you know, I can't wait to see what everyone does once everyone gets healthy and we get rolling. Were you there for Syndergaard's performance today? No, I wasn't. Okay. Uh, I'll stay, stay back. Yeah, okay. So, but he, uh, you know, had he struck out, what, uh, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, and Anthony Rodone on nine pitches in, in the same inning. I, I, like, how meaningful do you think that is, even if it's spring training? Well, I mean, those guys are going to remember that whenever uh, we face them in the season. So, I mean, that's big time. You know, it puts a little fear in their eyes, and uh, man, it's 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 pretty cool. Uh, I think that's uh, the message we we want to send at this uh, this point in spring. Yeah, no doubt. And we're talking right now with Mets pitcher Seth Lugo. Um, yeah, how about a couple of weeks back that the Mets signed Jason Vargas? And there's another rotation spot that that's likely to be filled. Did that add some urgency for? For you, for Robert Gesellman, for Zach Wheeler, and some of the other guys fighting for rotation and or bullpen spot on this team? Well, uh, you know, I can only speak for myself on that. Yeah. Uh, the way I see it, I mean, that's another guy to compete with. Uh, I mean, he's be on my team, but, uh, you know, I knew coming into, comp- uh, into camp uh, I had some competition to win a spot. So it doesn't change anything for me. I'm going to still go out there and 
you know, do the best I can do and work as hard as I can right now and uh, try to earn uh, earn my spot, you know. Um, but really, that's what you want as a ball player. You want competition, you know, uh, between the teammates and other guys. You know, that's that's how you get the best guys on the field. So, you know, it's fun. And you've been competing with these guys, you know, for, for years to, to some degree, right? I mean, who who do you look at as, you know, the guy that eh, maybe you're trying to edge out but that you kind of measure yourself against? Is there anybody like that for you over the years as you've been, you know, building through the minor league system? Well, uh, I'd say uh, mostly me and Jaselman, you know, we've yeah. played together since 2013 and we're good friends, you know, so, you know, we're constantly critiquing each other and helping each other out, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're pushing to, you know, to be better, you know, so it's fun, and uh, I think that's how our good ball players are made. So it's it's something you you, you want. And you've been open, and we're talking with Seth Lugo uh, to pitching in the rotation out of the bullpen, right? Your number one goal is just to be on that opening day roster. Oh yeah, uh, to be up with the team all year. I mean, that's that's my goal. Uh, I know we're gonna have a good team, so I want I want to be along for the ride the whole way and help out uh, any way I can. So if I can fit the roster, you know, it doesn't matter where it's at, but. It's going to be fun. You think that mentality gives you an advantage to you know potentially be that swing man in the bullpen? I think so because it, um, you know, it takes takes pressure off me, and it also just lets me focus on what I need to focus on. You know, execute pitches, repeating uh, mechanics and delivery. So, I think that's big time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm focused on what I need to do, and that's go out there and uh, do what I can and do the best I can. So. The way I see it, it, it does help me. Yeah, and it's been a, a good spring for you so far. As I mentioned, two one six ERA and eight and a third uh, innings pitched. As we chat with Seth Lugo. Now, last spring, you of course had the opportunity to participate in the, the World Baseball Classic with Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, you also met right your, your grandfather's family there in Puerto Rico, and, and got to go there and, and see them. Um, you know, how have you kept in touch with them in, in the years since? Yeah, well, um, you know, with the hurricane last year, it was, it was really tough. I didn't hear from them for a while. Uh, luckily, luckily everybody was safe, and uh, they didn't have too much damage. But um, it's been tough over the last few months. But, yeah, I still keep in touch with a few of them regularly, uh, as best as I can, you know. What have you heard? Have you been able to talk about, you know, what their experience, uh, you know, during and after that the, the hurricane was like? No, not really. I know they're still working to uh, to get everything back, back in order. Uh, you get everything running the way it should. So um, they're still fighting and still struggling down there. So um, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's kind of so bad bringing stuff up like that. So I haven't really spoken with or, you know, talked much about the, you know, damage and everything that's going on down there. But I know you and, and some of your teammates on Team Puerto Rico, um, you know, worked to, to fundraise in the fall last year. You know, what was that experience like? Uh, how, how, you know, successful were you guys in that effort? Um, well, uh, you know, I did what I could in New York to try to, you know, spread awareness and stuff. As far as, um, how much was actually done, I, I, I don't have the uh, numbers or any reference to yeah. say exactly, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I represented the country and then to turn around a few months later and, uh, help them out. I mean, uh, that's, that's a decent thing to do. So, you know, I had to Certainly. do what I could. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, obviously, as you think back on that experience, and I know you, know, you ended up with the the partially torn UCL afterwards, and that's become such a big focus of it. But you pitched great uh, those first couple of games in the tournament last year, and you know, to have that experience, uh, you know, there in Puerto Rico with Puerto Rico, what what was that like to really look back on it in terms of uh, competing and the the atmospheres that were part of that tournament? 
You know, the way the way I kind of look at it, uh, I've obviously never been to a Major League All-Star game, but um, I, for me, that's what it felt like. It felt like an All-Star game, you know. There's tons of talent on every team, and, uh, you know, we had some pretty good crowds, too. So I feel like, um, you know, I've only got the one wild-card game uh, playoff atmosphere. That mm-hmm. was pretty intense. So they were the championship game was similar to that, but I would say – I would, I would compare it to like an all-star game or something. It was pretty pretty awesome. You ever think what it would have been like if the Mets had won that wild card game against the Giants? You would have been lined up to start, uh, the, you know, one of those playoff games, the division series, you know, coming up later that week, and, and what that would have been like. Uh, I was lined up for Game Three. I was I was pumped. I was, man, I wish I could uh, wish I could pitch that game. Uh, that would be a home game. Just, yeah. Yeah. Well, is that yeah that that would have been uh, would have been something else. Um, you know, obviously. I'm my first postseason start, so. I bet <laughs> as we talk with uh, uh, Seth Lugo right now. Now, uh, Seth, I have I have a, a piece of audio. You, you sound like a fun guy. You sound like a nice guy. So we're we're gonna have a little bit of fun with you here. But I have a a piece of audio that's gonna generate, I think, an emotional response from you. Um. Is it okay if we play it? You think you'd be comfortable with it? Uh, let's see what it is. <laughs> Do you want to set up a safe word? We can set up a safe word. We'll stop it at any moment. <laughs> safe word will be the safe word. Okay, there it goes. There it is. Uh, all right, so here is, here is that audio, and, and you just say the safe word, and we will stop it immediately. Three receivers right, field and left. Marshawn Lattimore. Safe word. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, you, 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 big Saints guy, right, Seth? Yeah. I went to the uh, the wild card game. Well, that was I'm good. So you didn't go to the divisional game, um, you know, in in Minnesota. What what was it like? Did you, did you watch that day? I mean, your wife is a big Saints fan too, right? Yeah. Uh, I had. Uh... I had about ten or fifteen friends over, and we were having a fish fry. I was fishing a couple days before. Nice, got some good food cooking. It was a great day. You know, everybody's fantastic time. And then that happened, and mm. I don't think I said a word for about twenty minutes. It was pretty demoralizing. <laughs> I bet nobody did. Uh, we had one Panthers fan there, and he went crazy. So, oh gosh, it's not even his team. You should have thrown him yeah. out. No fish for him. Uh, well. We brought him to New Orleans with us, so we let him come to that part. We thought he was bad luck for other teams, you know. So. <laughs> now I'm curious because <laughs> uh, you got married a week before I did, and when I scheduled my wedding, I was like, "All right, we have to do it on a non-football weekend." So I picked the bye week between championship weekend and the Super Bowl. You were potentially getting married championship weekend. It would have been the the day before the Saints in the championship game. Did you guys have like a plan for for what you were going to do if the uh, you know the Saints are that important to you guys? Well, um, not not so much. Uh, you know, fun Super Bowl party, have a great time. You know, yeah. uh, weren't really uh, thinking about going to that game, but um, we had our uh, uh, our dating anniversary. It was September twentieth, so we wanted to keep the date on the twentieth. So that was the last one to line up before spring. So that's that was the reason for that. Nice. Well, congrats uh, on the wedding. And are the Saints like your team? Is that sports wise the the A number one for you? Beyond the Mets. Um, I would say um, two teams, Saints and uh, Saints and LSU Tigers. Okay, I, I couldn't believe when I went to Bourbon Street uh, years ago. I couldn't believe how much LSU stuff there is, and just how big football is down there. Maybe it's ignorant of me, but I mean it, it's everywhere. Everyone's wearing Saints jerseys. Everyone's wearing LSU uh, football. Is just ginormous. 
Oh, football's huge in Louisiana. Um, the LSU parties are a lot bigger than Saints parties because, you know, <laughs> Dallas is so close. So half Cowboys, half Saints, but LSU is all over Louisiana. It's it's huge, and it's a lot of fun to be their fans. You know, hopefully they can turn it around over the last few years, but we'll see. Yeah, well, you know, Saints got a uh, bright future ahead of them, certainly. And, and how, did you play any football? Were you uh, always just straight-up baseball guy? Uh, actually, I played uh, I played four sports in high school. Um, I used to play uh, wide receiver growing up. I quit my freshman year of high school, but then I joined the team again as a senior as a punter. I joined as a punter because I was a goalie in soccer. Football coach saw a punt ball, so start punting football. Punter's a good job, man. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Except after the first game, I led the team in tackles. <laughs> you led the team in tackles as a punter? After the first game, yeah. Wow. It was pretty fun. Must have been a rough game. For the offense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth Luco. <laughs> Seth Luco, Mets pitcher. Uh, really appreciate the time. Thanks for bearing with us. Uh, hopefully we cut the highlight in time for you. Didn't mean to break up you know, too many bad memories, but uh, thanks for playing along. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for having me. All right, Seth Lugo, uh, Mets pitcher, nice of him to join. And uh, having, you know, again, solid spring training thus far. It's a big spring for Robert Gesellman, for Zach Wheeler, who's pitched extremely well thus far this spring. Now Stephen Matz maybe falls into that group a little bit where it is uncertain what his role will be. Uh, but, uh, you know, at least thus far, you know, Lugo taking care of what he can uh, on the mound uh, for the New York Mets. 800-321-0710, the number to get involved again. 800-321-0710. We'll have Tim Healy covers the Mets for Newsday with us at 7.05 for Port St. Lucie and the latest happening. You'll hear from Noah Syndergaard and what made him kick it into a higher gear today where he ends up striking out seven straight nationals. It's all coming up. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Three receivers right, two in the left. Marshawn Lattimore. Truth word. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Lugo is quick on the trigger. I seem to know where where we might be going with that. I mean, seriously, how quick did he recognize that it was going? He's a big Saints fan. He recognized the first time a Saints player was named exactly what player was going to be the Hail Mary to Stephon Diggs ended the Saints uh, season in a terrible way. But I'm actually impressed. Within would you have Matt Ray? One seconds officially. Three point what? Three point one seconds. Three point one seconds, and there was no mention of the Saints, the Vikings. As soon as one player was mentioned, he knew exactly what it was. He might have listened to that call. That was the Vikings call too, a few times. Mark thought it was mean of me to do that. We talked about doing it before the interview, and Mark's, how could you do that to the guy? But I was like, he seems like he's fun. He'll, you know, he'll get a laugh out of it. Is that? Oh, is it too soon? It's been two you. months. You heard what he said about you after I, I picked him up after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh really? Oh. Well, he, was, he seemed okay with it. He was fine. I just oh, okay. to see how scared you get about it. Oh. Well, I, I'd, I'd hate to just torture. Yeah, someone who's been tortured by sports his whole life. I even I can't think of a moment like that that has occurred to one of my teams. The fake spike? Yeah, but that wasn't... The stakes weren't as high. You know, you could point to Game 7 against the Cardinals in 06, but that's not... The Mets weren't ahead right, at right, that moment, yeah. right? I mean, this is defeat 
clenched from the jaws of victory. This is as terrible a loss as you could possibly have. Basically a Hail Mary attempt, and, and suddenly the guy's walking into the end zone. I don't know. I felt, I, but I thought he'd be fun with it. He was. Is that a bad thing? Like, if did the Patriots have a moment like that? Is there a moment that you just you couldn't deal with? You you couldn't possibly hear. Like, I had to watch the butt fumble four hundred thousand times on ESPN over the years. Like, I I got through that. I, the fake spike, yes, that was a good one, Ray. They have that ready to go on every NFL telecast within .2 seconds. And like now, maybe that's not that impressive, but you know, back when they actually had to have the tape and roll it in, that thing was always ready to go if somebody did a fake spike or if it came up. My goodness, they'd have that ready to go in two seconds. So I've had to deal with some no, things. I, I mean, I, I've, I, the one that gets me, obviously, would probably be Tyree, seeing that one all the time. Oh, that's a shame. I don't feel bad for Patriots fans. I don't know. Here, we don't have to have any sympathy it. for it. Actually, you know which one? Do we have Tyree? Welker. We should just play Tyree. Welker dropping is worse to me. Welker dropping the ball is worse than David Tyree? Yeah. How is that? Because the David Tyree thing's amazing. That's the other thing. It, 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 it's such an amazing play. I wish we, we got to have Mark. This is the new thing. We have to have that David Tyree play. And maybe Wes Welker, too. We have to have those ready to play in a moment's notice. When Ray starts getting on his Patriots high horse next year football season, I I need a defense. All right? So we're going to we're going to build a defense. Mark's a Giants fan, so he'll enjoy it anyway. And, and I'll get the Safarian Jenkins overturned touchdown call for you. There you yeah, go. I'll be over that by next year. I'm over that today. You can play that a million times in a row. I will not blink. Oh, the the Jets could have had six wins. Oh, what a crime of a hey, season. One win can change things. You know that. Yeah, they'd lose out on another quarterback. Jets. Hot take of the day. Jets going to take a quarterback if they don't get Cousins. Yeah, I saw that headline. Uh, so, yeah. Get busy. Uh, and you know, NFL free agency starts next Wednesday. Uh, so next week we'll start getting uh, pretty wild as far as that goes. Again, 800-321-0710. Uh, I do want to get to to Noah Syndergaard and, and a couple of interesting things that he said after the game, including the fact that uh, he's not even in midseason form right now, which you might expect on March 8th and might not necessarily be a headline, but on a day where you're throwing 100 miles per hour, strike out seven nationals in a row, including Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon in the same inning on nine pitches. What the heck is midseason form going to be for one Noah Syndergaard? So we'll come back with that. Uh, we'll get to some of your Mets calls at 800-321-0710. Uh, we do have Tim Healy covers the New York Mets for Newsday now with us at 7.05 in our Mets Spring Training Report. And you won't want to miss our emotional interview with Mark Gastineau, uh, the longtime Jets legend, as he deals with the after effects of a 10-year NFL career uh, and you know, the health problems that go along with that and now you know, a battle against the NFL and one that it is not just he waging but many retired players dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's, and other brain-related uh, ailments uh, reg- because of their NFL career. So he'll be with us uh, at 8.05. This is Sports Zone tonight with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. You're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Well, I mean, I think today was a step in the, the right direction. I wouldn't say I'm in mid-season form yet, but it's nice to go out there and have uh, some, some command issues and be able to bounce back and find your delivery and finish up strong. 
Okay, bounce back, finish strong. Uh, the last seven banners Noah Syndergaard faced today against the Nationals struck them all out. What was really interesting to me from what Syndergaard discussed after the game is how he straightened them out. And there was a meeting with Kevin Pulwecki at the mound at one point, and Syndergaard was asked, you know, did, did Pulwecki say something? What happened there? Basically told me to get my head out of my ass. Uh, get back to staying close and falling through towards him instead of falling to the first base side and trying to make uh, do too much. But uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, the relationship that Kevin and I have is uh, really something else. So I'm very thankful to have him back there and to have him as a friend. How much do you love hearing that? That in the Mets, a, a catcher goes out there, Noah, get your head out of your ass, let's go. And, and mechanical adjustments, whatever they need to say to straighten it out. And it works. And it gets Noah going in the right direction. And, you know, I have uh, been more supportive of Travis Darno than others, but that doesn't seem to be a part of his personality. That's not something that you hear post-game. I, I haven't heard it uh, that I can remember you know, in the years covering the team, which is basically since Darno's been up. And, you know, he doesn't seem to be that kind of guy that's going to, you know, get on a pitcher and, you know, figure out the adjustment that, that needs to be made and, and coach them through a game. But Kevin Ploiecki... Able to pull that off here. Now, remember, Cindergard has had a personal catcher in the past. He had a, a great relationship with Renee Rivera as well. They worked together very well. And, you know, Rivera basically became uh, the personal catcher for Noah Cindergard. But this kind of comfort with Kevin Ploiecki, I think, is more than just, hey, Ploiecki can cover, can catch Cindergard and, and this could be a spot. I really think Ploiecki's going to end up with the majority of the playing time behind the plate. He played phenomenal last September. He's better defensively than Travis Darnot. And while the Mets coaching staff has put a lot more of the decision-making, game planning in the hands of the catchers, both Darnot and Ploiecki, what you hear from Syndergaard there gives you a guy that can go out to the mound and change a pitcher's mindset and do it himself and not need the pitching coach to come out and the manager to come out and you know other people to get involved. He could do it himself and successfully in a way that snaps Noah Syndergaard to attention, does it in a direct way that they have a good enough relationship, it works out. I think that's what you want in a catcher. And Ploiecki's hit decently this spring. What I saw from him going opposite field for some base knocks, he's not... He doesn't have the potential, I guess, that Darno has, but you know we can't talk about potential year in and year out. And, and Ploiecki and Darno are, are very close as well. Uh, but I, if I'm looking, you know, opening day, if I'm looking at the way this season sets up, I really think the Mets' best catcher is going to end up being Kevin Ploiecki, and that's why you know we always take a call on Jonathan Lucroy, still a free agent, or the Mets should go out do this and that. I'm really interested in what Ploiecki could do. And, you know, he's been around for a while. He's been up and down. Sometimes it takes a little longer for a catcher to put it together. But he's got a lot of the tools that you want to see. And that's an important spot for a Mets team that is built so much on the backs of their starting pitching and their pitching overall, uh, getting them to where they hope to go. 800-321-0710, the number. Uh, we'll grab some calls here. We start with uh, Devin in Mawa. What's happening, Devin? Hey, what's going on? Love the show. Gotta say, I love seeing a catcher step up to a star like Syndergaard and say, hey, buddy, get it together. I believe in you. And then uh, just to show that was pretty good. But um, I want to bring up something I think might be the hottest 
controversial topic between New York teams is the uh, Todd Frazier. Thumbs down. What is going to happen with that? They had such fire from a marketing campaign to deserve that. The Yankees had such a connection with that. Thumbs down. And uh, the source, I believe, might have been Frazier. So now that he's... Well, the source is actually a Mets fan. Do you, do you know the whole correct, story, correct. Devin? Correct, yes. Okay, yeah. So it's a Mets fan. Yeah, so technically it started with the Mets, but I want no part of this. This needs to be retired with the Yankees. There's no way thumbs oh, down yeah. should be coming to Queens. And so is it gone forever? I hope so. I haven't seen it yet. Have you? <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, they they brought out thumbs down guy for the press conference and or Gary, and he had the thumbs up. So that was cute. That was nice. And then that's it. Retire it. Frazier has this little league personality, and I, and I loved it. So I'm happy he's bringing it over to the Mets. So I just want to know what, what's going to go on with that. Well, the personality will be there. He'll come up with something, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, but it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, make it new. Just make it something new. I, you know, right. we don't need the thumbs down in in Queens. No, that was a game played at City Field, and uh, you know the Yankees end up winning. I love the thumbs down in that spot. Gary stepped up. Spoke for all Mets fans with the thumbs down. The Yankees, you know, winning a game in City Field because uh, they couldn't play down in Tampa. But uh, that doesn't need to be a, a Mets thing at all. So, you know, Mets, they'll, I'm sure they'll invent their own thing. What, in 2014, it was the car wash. Uh, we had some towels. What have we done recently? What have the Mets done recently? Is there any anything 15, 16? I can't think of anything in particular. I remember the car wash being a big thing in 2014. But it, it does seem that every team especially when you watch playoff baseball, they all have some kind of thing, right? The Rangers used to have that, like, claw thing, and every team has something that they carry through, and you figure it out organically along the way. And the thumbs down worked fine for the Yankees last year. It worked out organically. Something will pop up. It's a long baseball season. There's a lot of room for some creativity in those down spots during the games, between the games, the whole thing. 800-321-0710. Jeff in the Bronx. How we doing, Jeff? Hey, Pete, how you doing this evening? Good, good. What's up? Couldn't agree with you more about that thumbs-down thing. It was, uh, man, I, I want no part of that. No. But uh, anyway, that's not why I called. A couple quick Met points, and maybe you can ask uh, Tim about this at 7. But the uh, Greg Holland's still out there. Mm-hmm. We're three weeks from opening day. He'll probably take, you know, maybe a one-year deal, maybe $15 million at this point, if that. If you're the Mets, you know, you're hearing familias going through a little bit of a dead arm phase. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the issues last year. If you get somebody like Hollins right now, that really sends a message to your fan base. Sure. You know? Yeah, I mean, listen, they get Garrietta, they get, you know, Moustakas, you name it. it. It sends a message. I understand that. Um, I, If I was Greg Holland or if I was Jake Arietta, I would not sign a one-year deal. I, or, or if I did, I would do it where it like Cespedes did the one year with the Mets, where you have you know the player option and you really get in three years in case something goes wrong. I just think you know pitchers get hurt too frequently in today's day and age, and and those guys are coming off real good seasons, maybe not great but good. And to think you're going to do better and, and come out in a better free agent class next year and have it be a different situation. I, I don't see that as that realistic. I think that's why the pitchers are still out there. Now, Moustakas, at some point, a one-year deal, I would do it if I were him. I'd go to an offensive-friendly place, hit my 30 home runs, and, and hope things are better next year. But for the pitchers, I think they should hold out for whatever deal they're looking for as long as they can because there's just too much risk in a one-year deal for pitchers, as any Mets fan knows. Well, if you're Holland, though, I mean, hey, I'd even if you want to build in a, a couple of, you know, 
options or an opt-out thing. The one thing why a closer might is because next year there's so many closers that so many teams are going to need closers. I think there's like eight or nine closers or relief bases if you want to clo- put it no that No position way. got paid better this offseason than relievers. It was the one position that flew off the board. Most of the top relievers were gone during the winter meetings while everybody else stagnated. They are in demand, and the fact that Holland hasn't found something to his liking yet uh, tells he's probably asking for a little bit too much, but that he's willing to hold out as well. I, I, I would be surprised, even at this point, that he settled for a one-year deal. Well, uh, anyway, I still think, you know, we should, if, if he does, if he's willing to do some kind of team-friendly contract, I think the Mets need to be all in, because at least with the starting pitchers, there's maybe eight or nine options. If if we have an injury with our with one of our top four relievers, we're looking at you know some of the minor league guys we got you know in the during the midseason trade deadline. But but one more quick wa- yeah. roster question, if you let me. Do you think? And if this was me as running the, the Mets, this is what I would do. Degrom, they'll probably be able to backdate his injury where he could miss you know maybe only you know three or four games, and you could start him whatever the fourth or fifth game you know with the off day and stuff like that. That might give you the luxury of keeping Montero where you don't lose him through options and you can maybe send him down three or four days into the season where it, it doesn't matter. 25-man roster set. It, you still need options to send him down during the year. Right, but then a team's less likely to claim him once the okay. season starts and, you know, when they're all doing the 25-man roster dance. Yeah, I, so. and these are, these are the games that, that you could play, Jeff, and I appreciate you thinking it out and uh, the Mets, you know, write, write it down and, and, and Jeff has you all sorted out. But, uh, but, yeah, to me, listen, Rafael Montero, at this point, he's not a starter. I don't like him in the bullpen. I don't think he's one of the top 12 pitchers on this staff. And if he doesn't belong on the staff, don't worry about the options. If he... Can't make it through. He doesn't make it through. The guy has a five plus five and a half ERA for his career. Like teams are going to be breaking down the door for Rafael Montero. And if you lose him, so be it. Now, if three pitchers get hurt between now and opening day, and he is one of the twelve best, fine, keep him around. But I'm not. I don't think the Mets should be going out of their way for Rafael Montero. The guy has had 15 lives with the Mets, a million opportunities in the bullpen, in the rotation. He put together like five straight starts last year where he pitched okay, and that's the best that it's looked. How many chances does this guy need, and are you going to worry about his spot on the roster? If he doesn't go north, so be it. Be one of the top 12. Man, this, this team is supposed to be you know, competing for playoff spots. Best guys on the team, period. 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Tim Healy of Newsday will be with us at 7.05 covering the New York Mets as uh, part of our Mets spring training report and much more as we uh, roll on here until 9 o'clock. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR.